When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. With German Doner Kebab. Now 40 restaurants across the UK. Find out where at GermanDonnerKebab.com. Hello, this is Football Social Daily. The winter break has begun for most of the Premier League, but not for the sports social team, because as always, we're here every single day during the Premier League season, bringing you the latest news and views from the English top flight. So having cancelled their weeks away in Marbella this week to furnish you with their footballing knowledge, we've got Marley Anderson and Norma Corn in the sports social Hello. studio. Hello. Hello, boys. Right, that sounded creepy, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, edit, edit that bit out. Move on rapidly from that. Out of context, Jim Salverson's going to have a new, uh, a new clip going up soon. Right, here's what we're talking about today. There are 13 games left of the Premier League season and whilst it looks like it's a done deal at the top of the league with Liverpool romping away with the title at the bottom, there are just seven points separating 19th and 10th. So who is heading for the dreaded drop? We'll discuss that shortly. And speaking of dropping stuff, we're going to talk about Jordan Pickford as well. He's under the microscope right now for some dodgy goalkeeping howlers and a load of people calling for him to lose his England place. We're going to talk about who should get that coveted number one jersey and some other potential England prospects who are knocking on the door at the moment as well. But first, let's kick off with a review as it's Monday. Get in. This is from the States. It's from Jer Bear MSU who says... Must subscribe. This is a great show for any EPL fan. Great personalities. Talking about me. Amazing host. Talking about me again. Can't Fun conversation. <laughs> talking about me. He says, as a Wolves fan, though, even though he enjoys the EPL coverage, it focuses primarily on the big six clubs only. So we'd like us to talk about some of the other teams in the league, which is exactly what we're going to do today on the podcast, because we're going to start with the bottom of the table. Now, realistically, <laughs> 11 teams could still easily face the drop this season. Arsenal are in 10th position on 31 points at the moment. That is only seven points off Watford in 19th. It is incredibly close. So who is for the drop this season, gents? Out of those 11 teams, who do we think is going to go down? Should we start with the ones that are probably safe first? That's the easiest place we can kind of cross off. I think Arsenal might be safe. Arsenal 31. <laughs> I was in an article right. earlier uh, last week 
saying that Arsenal could genuinely go down. And I was like, well, yeah, the It would be hilarious if they did. But also, they're not going to go down. Imagine Twitter if Arsenal got relegated. Oh, it would be unbearable. So, be but if we're, gonna, if we're saying Arsenal are safe on 31 points, then we also have to say Southampton, Newcastle and Burnley are all safe, right? Damn right they're, we do. They're, they're well, also on 31 points. Well, that's not the way the Premier League works, is it? And certainly not the way kind of our perceptions of clubs work. It's I not think... the way our perceptions work, but it should be because these guys have kept pace with Arsenal so far this season, so there's no... Or Arsenal have just been dismal this season. Yeah. That's another way to look at it. I think what you could argue is now, Senor Ancelotti mm. uh, has done an unbelievable job at Everton um, since, I think, the turn of the year. No club's picked up more points than Everton, apart from Liverpool. They're cross-city rivals, mm. and of course they're romping to the title. Mm. And he's basically done it with no central midfield. Tom Davis hasn't really been that good. Delph keeps getting sent off, and he's not been great. Gomez has been injured. Jean-Philippe Gabamin has... I mean, who is he? He's barely played for Everton this season. He's been injured he's gone for the whole season. So, I mean, for the fact that he's kind of turned Dominic Calvert-Lewin into a goal scorer, mm. and maybe we'll talk about him later on in the show as well, but the fact that he's turned that around, I think we could probably argue that Everton now might be clear of the danger zone oh, yeah, when definitely. we were talking before Christmas that like they might really be in trouble this year. Well, I think it's interesting to compare the fortunes of Everton with the fortunes of a club that are definitely in trouble this season as well. And that's West Ham, who not that long ago were facing a very similar situation to Everton in they were looking at changing a manager. They'd had decent investment in the summer. They were in similar league positions. Everton showed real ambition and went out and got Carlo Ancelotti when a lot of people were calling for them to reappoint David Moyes or bring in Sam Allardyce. They went and showed some ambition. They brought in a manager who has changed that team dramatically and got a tune out of players who weren't performing previously, whereas West Ham spent a bit of money in January and went and got David Moyes. And they've just taken so long to do anything to turn the club around. They only got their coaching staff in last week. Yeah, It's like, it just shows how quick decisive action and a bit of ambition from a club can turn around those fortunes and now we see Everton and West Ham at completely different points in the season yeah and West Ham look bang in trouble they're looking at the table 24 points for them in Watford Norwich I think we can all say Norwich are pretty much gone can't see them getting out of it they're six points off they're on 18 at the bottom everyone predicted what was going to happen to Norwich didn't they they said if you don't Recruit players to be in the fair, summer. To be fair to Norwich, if you look at previously over the years, like the teams that go down that are bottom, they're usually rubbish. Like Norwich aren't a bad team. They mm. play they play good stuff. They're just the players aren't good enough to be to sort of cut it. They've got, got a very cha- they've got a championship team. They've got a very young defence as well. They've got a lot of promising guys, but not they're not they just need the experience and you can see that with the way they the way they play. They can't really sort of shut out teams. Mm. They they try and play it a little bit too much at times. Um, but as twentieth teams that finish twentieth, assuming they, that, that that they do, they're probably the best team to ever finish twentieth in the Premier League. Because usually the ones that finish, you think of like Derby, yeah, they couldn't hit a cow's yeah. ass with yeah. anything. Except they did take four points off Newcastle in that eleven point season, <laughs> which I'm still fuming about to this day. Uh, do you know what though? I find interesting about Norwich. I think, like you said at the start, if you're going to pick one team that's definitely out of it, I think Norwich. But for the other reason that the fact that I don't think they will get out of it. I think it's an interesting point Marley makes that, you know, they are a good team, but are they? 
You know, the bottom of the Premier, <laughs> the bottom of the Premier League. So how, how can they be? I think. I mean, they're a good football side to watch. I know what you're saying, but in terms of picking up results, which is the end line, you look at a team like Newcastle who have been very pragmatic with the resources they've got. Steve Bruce has pretty much had to revert to Rafa Benitez type mm. and get the results that way. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, that is. The sacrifice that you make, I guess, if you're Daniel Fark, do you sacrifice your philosophy and your style of play and the club and the board's philosophy of spending money to keep yourself above water in the Premier League? I think what they have done is they've come into the Premier League and they've given it a go. Yeah. And as they've Marley done it, they've says, done it their way, there's young it, players and there's Campwell, there's Aaron's as well who have come in with talent. They've yeah. got a goal scorer in Pookie who's been able to yeah, get yeah. a few goals here and there, but they just didn't strengthen. They played too open in the Premier League with the team that they had, essentially. And they've been really yeah. unlucky with defensive injuries. As yeah, well. I must say, I think their two January signings um, that they brought in have looked pretty decent. Lucas yeah. Rupp has looked pretty good in the midfield for, for Norwich. So I have to say, they've improved by the looks of things since the, the January window. But I do think, yeah, it's, it's probably a bit too late for them. I think they've strengthened with an eye on the Championship, haven't they? Because they're, they're not going to pick up 22 points in 13 games. No, and I think their plan was for Daniel Fark to come in and for them to get promoted over like a five-year period to the Premier League. And I think they basically achieved their goal in one year mm. in the, I don't think they yeah. even even they expected to win the championship and come up so few, I think they're ahead of the curve on that, that as well and in previous years a few sides have come up like two years into a five-year plan it just yeah. knacks them for the next 10 mm. years because mm. all of a sudden you come up and then you go back down and the people people vulture your, your good signings your and, then, players, and then you're yeah. back you're back to where you were really speaking of managers with philosophies and not wanting to abandon those philosophies. Brighton and Hove Albion are by no means safe at the moment. 27 points they're on currently. I heard a pundit at the weekend talking about how he thinks Graham Potter should abandon his footballing philosophies and just play Route 1. You can probably guess which radio station this was being broadcast on. Just Route 1 brutal football to keep them up. But that's not going to happen. Brexit FM. Yeah, (laughs) Brighton and Hove Albion are currently in this like transitional period, aren't they? Mm. And it's always going to be risky when you're trying to turn a team from one thing which is kind of the agricultural bottom five football that Brighton have been playing, maybe, into something a little bit more expansive. expansive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And that's where Graham Potter finds himself. He's in a difficult situation. Well, they sacked Chris Hewton because they weren't really happy with finishing a couple of points above the relegation zone with the style of football. Well, they've solved one problem. They've improved the style of football, but they're still going to finish a couple of points mm. above the relegation zone. But, but it um, doesn't happen instantly, that kind of, of thing, of unless you're going to bring in a load of players, of course, like yeah. 100 million quid or whatever it is. Of course it doesn't. And if you look at the Brighton starting eleven, how many of those players would realistically get in another team mm. in the Premier League? I, do you know what, I, how many of them? Aaron Moy, perhaps? Brighton's defence is really good. Like I like the defence. Dunk, Duffy, Burn, and Webster. Burn, and Burn. Webster, Ryan's yeah. a good keeper. They're, yeah, Matt Ryan's a really good goalie, but... They, they struggle. They don't have a striker. If you put Timu Puki in that team, I think he'd score a lot of goals because mm. they play really good football, mm. Brighton. It's, they're genuinely very good to watch, but they just don't quite have the quality to get anything above sort of 15th, 14th. So yeah. if Brighton... Uh, I, I think he's been a great manager, Potter. He's, he's really... He's got results out of them as well as the 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 style changing he's promoted the youth which he does everywhere where he goes Connolly's been good Aaron Connolly uh, Stephen Alzate has been really good mm. um, he's he's got international caps now as Al- for Colombia yeah yeah I think played for Colombia a couple of times yeah, he was playing for Swindon Town two years ago in League Two exactly so yeah just goes to show how much of an improvement he's made I think he's a great manager um, and I could see somebody like they they renewed his contract didn't they earlier this season just because there was they a bit of turmoil him, yeah. around yeah. other clubs, like Everton were looking for a manager and 
and at, at the time when Silver was under under a lot of pressure. I think he's I think he's very very bright. He brings a proper philosophy and he actually mm. makes it work. Because if you look at Norwich, similar style of play, haven't quite got the experience in the bottom of the league. They've got a little bit more experience, a little bit more quality. They play the proper way in the 15th. I know they're not out of trouble yet, but you'd back them to finish above. If you if they played Bournemouth or Villa, you'd, you'd back Brighton to win. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, it often. doesn't always work this way, but it feels like they deserve to stay in the Premier League because they're trying. Yeah, they do. Well, Glenn Murray, there was rumours whether he might leave Brighton in the January window. Instead, they signed him to a new one-year deal. And yeah, we, we've seen started him in every game since. Exactly, <laughs> and we've seen the impact Troy Deeney had when he came back from injury for Watford. And having that leader in your team and that experienced head can make a hell of a lot of difference. And he might not score as many goals as he'd like to and as many goals as he used to, Glenn Murray, but certainly he'd be useful. I think Mope as well would have wanted to have scored more goals. He's had some clear chances this season, which he's not put away. Some goals he has scored have been brilliant. Other ones you kind of think, well, you should be doing better there. But I guess that's the, the risk you take from a championship player coming up. All I would say about Brighton is I think along with West Ham and Bournemouth, I think their fixtures look pretty tough yeah. over the next few weeks. So mm. next up in the in the league, it's on the 22nd, so in a couple of Saturdays, they've got Sheffield United away. We know how tough Bramwell Lane's been to go to this season with you know them chasing Europa League football. Then they've got Crystal Palace, which Palace are struggling. They might fancy themselves there, but that's also a derby game. Wolves, okay. Arsenal. Sort of. And then after that, they've got Leicester, Manchester United, and then we're into April, where they've got Norwich, Liverpool, Manchester City, Southampton and on the final day of the season they've got Newcastle so I mean you know there are some really tough games in there and Graham Potter will be hoping that he can pick up points somewhere I do think the next five or six weeks you know Palace Sheffield United Wolves Arsenal Leicester they could be absolutely huge for Brighton Speaking of Palace now they're kind of on the cusp of potentially being in trouble they've got 30 points in the league this season but they've not won in 2020 so yeah. far, they can't score goals. They've not can't Pickford's even get in goal. Sorry, <laughs> unless Jordan Pickford's yeah, in goal. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who I mean, I mean, to be fair to Pickford, no one would have expected Christian Benteke to get a shot on target. So <laughs> it caught him off guard. Very uh, true. But I mean, they there's always one team that gets sucked into that little relegation dogfight, isn't it? And mm. it could be Palace this season. Only once in 20 Premier League games, their last 20 Premier League games, have they got more than four shots on target. And that's really worrying because if you can't score goals, you can't win games. <laughs> yeah, I think we were saying at the start of the season, do you know what? I think Palace have done like a reverse Everton. Like They started the season near the top, near the Champions League places. And we thought, oh, they'll fade away, they'll drop off. And then they were there for a good while, maybe till about late September, early October. And then they just started to drop down. And now it's been concerning for Roy Hodgson. And he's the person I feel the most sorry for in this situation. Roy Hodgson, he's the oldest manager in the Premier League, 72 years of age. You keep on banging on about people's ages all the time. And, You're ages now. <laughs> oh, ages. I'm just saying, the man's so experienced. He's revered in Sweden. I know it's not the same <laughs> as the Premier League by all accounts, but he's revered in Sweden. He's managed Inter Milan. He's managed England. Mm. He's got bags of experience. He's managed Liverpool. He's managed some really big clubs over the years. And he's been saying, and he's not one to come out and beat his chest, Roy Hodgson, and and kind of make a big deal of things, but he's been saying for months, weeks, that he wanted fullbacks and strikers in the January transfer window. So what did Crystal Palace do? They brought in Jenk Tosin on loan from Everton, but also they realised that they couldn't recall... Alexander Serloth, who's a striker they've got on loan in Turkey, who scored 20 goals this season. They didn't put a recall clause in his contract, so he can't come back from his loan spell in Turkey. 
Benteke has been poor for the last however many years. Wickham has been equally as bad. Mm. And they didn't Either sign any on. fullbacks because He's away the, at Wednesday now they're letting it, go, didn't they? Exactly. They, they sent him out on loan. Yeah. And then the fullback they tried to sign from West Bromwich Albion, that deal fell through at the last minute. So Roy Hodgson has been sat there for two transfer windows saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, into the media, into the press. He's making sure that message gets out there so that the board take notice and they haven't taken notice and they haven't signed anyone What's and I just wonder whether that will come back to bite Crystal Palace and whether Roy Hodgson at the end of the season if they just about stay up will go I told you so mm. I told you well, so that's because that's what I needed and his contract is up at the end of the season as well let's talk about Roy Hodgson being under pressure but I think for exactly the reasons you say he's not under pressure because the expectations for the club are so low he can deliver those expectations and who else would go in and take that job and so many injuries for Palace as well they have two fit fullbacks two so what a starting left back and a starting right back what happens then you're pulling up a Wan-Bissaka from the academy getting a winger to play fullback that's what you're doing can you risk, risk doing that in the Premier League I don't know if you can so I do worry for Crystal Palace I think they'll be all right this season. I think they will stay up. It's just I worry about the structure of the club and how things are run above board. I mean, Roy Hodgson must be sat there thinking, what on earth am I am I involved with right now? Because two full, two fit fullbacks is it's it's not a good situation to be in. That was Ben Teke's first goal at the weekend for 765 minutes of Premier League football, by the way. Jesus. Unbelievable. I remember earlier this season, remember when we were about... 10 or 12 games in you looked at the table and Crystal Palace were like 6 they were next to Sheffield United yeah and everybody like I remember saying like how on earth are they there like they keep on sort of scrapping out results and then I remember saying like they're not the 6th best team in the league they're going to fall badly and look at them now I mean they're 14th 6 points above West Ham in 18th and like you say there's no goals there's not a great if it doesn't come through Zaha where does it come from that's pretty much it. I think their start to the season saved them in terms of obviously like they've dropped off since sort of Christmas and January and what have you and not won a game yet. But it January saved them because Zaha would probably if they were fourteenth going into January, Zaha would have been like, Look, I I wanted to leave in the summer, I want to leave now. Mm. But because that the start of the season was quite good, I think the speculation about him leaving just subsided slightly because maybe he thought well it's not that bad here and nobody really wants me um so I'm just going to stick it out this season and see how it goes and that could be detrimental to him because he might have missed the missed the boat again yeah you talk about goals this is the concerning stat Crystal Palace averaging 0.88 goals a match yeah. so they're not even scoring one goal a game how can you expect to win football match how many goals has Zahar got this season he's only got about two hasn't he mm. he's not, three, yeah, not, not many two or three. He, scored, he scored a couple in a row over Christmas didn't he and that was about it but surely that's a concern for fans in itself who's going to go and want to watch them who's going to want to go week in week out to go and watch Crystal Palace when they're scoring under a goal a game mm. it's just not I mean it's an end, at the end of the day football is entertainment we take it very seriously but it's entertainment if you're not seeing goals if you're not seeing your team score no one's going to be that interested in continuing to support that football club yeah uh three more teams potentially in danger so we've got Watford on 24 points we've got Aston Villa on 25 points we've got Bournemouth on 26 points Watford's really interesting because a couple of weeks ago it looked like they were going to pull themselves clear of the relegation zone they're in great form picking up points all over the place Mm. now last four games two draws two wins it's kind of I hate to say I told you so Nigel Pearson it was always going to have that effect that he's going to go in he's going to kick some stuff he's going to shout a bit he's going to get a bit of a new manager bounce but that is going to ebb away and yeah. that's exactly what appears to have happened 
Yeah, that's when that's when the test comes. You have that honeymoon period, and when your honeymoon ends, it's just a it's just a lifetime of marriage. You've got to you've got to find a happy way to get through it before the sweet release of death. Um, but that's what Marley's getting married this year, by the way. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to death at twenty eight years old. Um, Watford, yeah, they're just starting to stall a little bit, and they've not done enough yet to to be allowed to have that stall kind of thing. You know, like they've picked up a few points there almost safe they were out of the relegation zone I think a couple of weeks ago mm. I think they were like 16th or something but as we know obviously the table's tight as hell so yeah. you don't really count your chickens before the patch kind of thing so they 24 points at the minute I don't know whether they've got enough yeah they were so far behind at one point so to even get as close as they are now within being in within a sniff of safety I don't think there would have been many people who would have tipped them to get no. out of it I think everyone was saying yeah. You know they're done. Oh, the dreaded bottom at Christmas, weren't they? Yeah, exactly. And and you know they they really struggled. But Pearson's come in and he has turned it around. But Marley, as he says, you know you could put that down to just the new manager bounce, as we like to call it. I think the thing is with Watford is the fact that they've they've conceded leads in the last two games. They've been in front and they've and teams have come behind to either draw or beat them. Mm. Now that's concerning because that's the kind of. Uh, the mental strength you need and the resilience you need to stay up in the Premier League is to make sure once you get in front to hold on to that lead as hard as you can. Um, Nigel Pearson would have been f- would have been absolutely fuming with the fact that teams have come from behind in the last two games, especially considering how vital the points might be. I think the only saving grace for Watford is the fact that their fixtures towards the end of the season are more favourable than some of the other clubs. Next up, though, they've got Manchester United, then after that, Liverpool, and then they've got Palace before they take on Leicester, and that takes them into mid-March, and then the fixtures start getting a bit easier. But you just wonder, could, how, be too late by it, could it be too late by then? Have they left themselves too much to do? And I think maybe these last two games at the end of the season could be what Watford fans look back on and think, letting the lead slip mm. in those two games has been absolutely vital for us. The fixtures are going to be key, and we talked about West Ham a little bit earlier. They've got a terrible fixture list over the next eight games. The only... W- points you can see coming are from Southampton away, Burnley at home and Newcastle away, none of which are easy fixtures by any stretch of the imagination. You've also mentioned that throwing points away from winning positions is exactly what you need not to do if you want to stay in the Premier League. West Ham have thrown away 19 points from winning positions already this season. But Bournemouth, now no one's really talking about Bournemouth potentially going down, but it does seem like it's a bit of a risk. And you look at their fixtures, they've got Eight of the top nine in the Premier League still to play and none of the bottom six. That looks like a nightmare scenario for Bournemouth. Well, Bournemouth have done... I mean, they won the last two now, Bournemouth, I think. Um, they lost to Sheffield United on Sunday, though, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, so. they, they, yeah. No shame in that now, but... Yeah. Um, no, but it's easier to beat Sheffield United than it is to beat, you know, Spurs, Man City, Leicester, Man United, all the teams they've got coming up. So, I mean, it's, it's that's the thing. No one ever says, as I said at the start of the show, no one ever says Bournemouth should be under pressure or should go down. But I think this season, people are starting to realise maybe the magic is beginning to run out. Um, I think against Sheffield United, is it was it Simon Francis, the Bournemouth captain, was the only sole survivor from when the teams last met at Bramall Lane. Um, eight years ago in 2012 right? and I'm not saying that he's degenerated as a player I'm just saying that you know there are a lot of players still in Bournemouth squad which they've been hanging on to from the Championship League one days is it time for a proper regeneration now of that football club get some different players in 
um, and really start to to make sure that they're not in this position again. Because Bournemouth always seem to do this. They seem to have peaks and troughs. They have a few games where they're really good and they get up towards the Europa League spots. Then they'll lose a few mm. and they'll drop down the table and they'll be towards the relegation zone. I think since they've been up in the Premier League, and this is testament to Eddie Howe, this is the closest they've been to being relegated, I think. I think the last time they touched the relegation zone a couple of years ago, they went on this amazing run and managed to pull themselves out of it. Which is I, incredible I, considering the investment in that club and the crowds they get, because they get small crowds. This, they don't have a particularly big game. They get small crowds, yeah. but uh, it's, it's, 18, not, it's nonsense thinking that they're a plucky little club that they don't, don't have any money. They've, they've, got, like, they've got bags of money, Jim. This, but they don't spend much. They've spent, I think it's £26 million on average for the last five seasons. They, 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 they seem to buy yeah. a guy for £15 million every transfer window. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jordan Ibe was £15 million, That Dan Juma was £15 million. I think Josh King was about £15 million. Billing was 15 million. It's just like they've got one check and it's like inked in. 15 million and they just put a name on it and they're like, right, there you go. It's like, I, with Bournemouth, it's, it's, he's very loyal to the, to his squad, as, mm. as Niall sort of alluded to a little bit. Um, I think his reasoning behind that is because of his, he's got a clear philosophy. They, they never just hump it and hope for the best and they, they sort of play proper the proper way. Um, and sometimes that can that can catch you out. If teams are are better than you at having the ball on the floor, they they pressure you and they can get it off you. Then then you're in trouble. Um, and you see them every every year they go away to Liverpool and Man City and they get done badly because they go and try and play and they've only got one way of playing. So if you work that out, they play that four four two system. They'll keep passing it and passing it quick. And if you can get to grips with that, they haven't really got a plan B. And that's what you you might just need that in a relegation fight. So with all them top eight eight what was it top eight of nine? I can't remember uh, what I said now. In the next <laughs> nine games the they've got eight teams, out of the top yeah. nine to play. I mean, the chances are the eight best teams in the league are gonna have worked out how you play, so you've got to come up with with something different. I think their last five games of the season, starting from mid April, they've got Spurs at home, Leicester at home, Manchester City away. Then what Bournemouth fans consider a derby, but isn't. They've got Southampton at home <laughs> and Everton uh, uh, away on the last day of the season. So Everton could be in the Europa League spots by then. Southampton could be safe by them and have nothing to play for, but they always like to beat Bournemouth because of that mini non-existent rivalry they've got going on down there. And then the three other teams, Spurs, Leicester, Man City. You're saying Bournemouth and, and Southampton consider it a rivalry no, no, and no, a no, derby, no. but it's not. No, <laughs> no, both no, teams no. consider it a derby. <laughs> this is the only time I will ever stick up for the red and white uh, on the south coast and that is because Bournemouth don't have a rival because mm. they've always been the smallest club on the south coast you see so they consider Southampton their rivals Southampton consider Portsmouth their rivals which is the right way and that's the way it should be basically Southampton don't care about Bournemouth Bournemouth do care about Southampton it's a rivalry that's basically one-sided okay. um, and it's a, it's an interesting one but certainly there'll be there'll be a few flared tempers down there on that on that day 9th of May for your diaries everyone make sure you get that wow. written down there'll be a few um, croissants flying everywhere yeah exactly yeah but that's the uh, that's the last six games five games they've got of the season I think that I mean that could be really telling for them who are we picking then if you're going to pick three names to go down this season who's it going to be I think it's going to be, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is first. Norwich City, obviously, we're accepting they're going to go down. I think Bournemouth might go down as well. I think this could be the season that happens. And I'm going to say Watford as the third team. I don't think they're going to do quite enough. I think Aston Villa are there or thereabouts. We haven't really talked about them, but I mean, Jack Grealish deserves to stay up just on his own form. So I think they'll just be okay as well. They're going to be my three. Well, I'm going to go with Norwich. I don't think we can look past Norwich. Um, 
you know what? I, I, this is so tough. I tip Bournemouth to go down every year and I always get my pants pulled down by Eddie Howe because he always proves me wrong. But like you say, this might be the year. West Ham, I mean, I'm sorry, Jim. And I'd like West Ham to stay up because I think they are a Premier League club and I just can't see them executing enough victories and enough draws mm. to get out of that relegation zone. I admit it's worrying. And, you know, 18th where they sit at the moment. I mean, the only thing that might save West Ham United is goal difference. And, you know, so hoping that they only get beat 1-0, 2-0 if they do lose, rather than getting hammered. Um, I oh, think they've got we'll, Man City to rearrange, haven't they? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. That 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 could be, you know, a real damaging blow, the fact that this game at the Etihad was called off for West Ham because now that game gets moved to midweek later on in the season, mm. you know, and how crucial could that be? And the pressure's going to be even higher than it was already. So I think West Ham and... I'm just going to go with the bottom three as it is now. West Ham, Watford, Norwich... Um, I, I, the next closest I would have said Bournemouth um, I think Aston Villa have still got a lot of work to do I think maybe people are overlooking them slipping into it but they do have a game in hand over Bournemouth but I think because um, West Ham's game in hands against City and I think Watford have lost points from winning positions I think I'll go for them so West Ham, Watford and Norwich are my three Marley uh, I'm going to go for Norwich obviously um, and then I think I think Villa will go Um and then for me, it's between Watford, West Ham, and Bournemouth, and I think West Ham will have enough to stay up somehow. I don't know. Don't know any. I've got no basis to which of which to base that on. <laughs> Jared Bowen. I just think they will. He's Not the man, the saviour of West yeah. Ham. Um, ooh, I've not looked at the fixtures properly. I don't like Bournemouths, but Watford maybe. Um, How many points do you think it's going to be this season for safety? Because like like the the common oof, acceptance is forty four. points. Yeah, but, but I'm not sure you're going to need that 40 this year. points. I mean, no one's got 40 Sheffield, points yet. Sheffield United are on 39 in the fifth. Yeah. At this point in this in the table, like, we're not that yeah, far We're, not, from we're the not relegating someone today, though. Yeah, but there's 13 games to go. Chelsea are on 41 points and they're in the top four. <laughs> Madness. So, I mean, yeah, um, I, I don't think 40 points would be the mark this year. I think you're right, Jim. I think, I think 35 would yeah, probably be enough, to be honest. I think so. Um, which means you've got to say Palace are safe. Nah. Not yet, because Palace can't score a goal, so. Um, funnily enough I was thinking at the weekend when West Ham's game got uh, postponed they they would genuinely be better off forfeiting that game and taking a 3-0 defeat because <laughs> it could be worse when the game actually happens and they lose like 5-1 like just Moyes just ring the FA and be like wow we, we just can't be bothered like Come on, Marley, pick your stop, <laughs> stop stalling and I pick your final team. I know. Watford no. Watford Watford, Nor- Norwich and uh, Villa there you go alright there the our picks for relegation this season. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Jordan Pickford and his potential England future and a few other players that are knocking on the door for Gareth Southgate's team as well. We'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Find your nearest GDK restaurants at germandonerkebab.com. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Let's talk about Jordan Pickford and the England number one jersey. He's been speaking in the press over the last 24 hours about some of the criticism he's been getting this season, saying that the abuse that you get by being an England player is just 
hand in hand with the job because everybody hates you. That's what he says. Apparently, if you're an England player, everyone hates you. Uh, but his form has been certainly questionable this season. Another mistake at the weekend against Crystal Palace. Christian Benteke scoring a goal that went straight through the middle of Pickford has called for a few people to question his England future. I don't think he's going to find many supporters in this room, is he? <laughs> I don't think so. Absolutely not. What, what sort of a comment is that? I think that everyone he, hates you because you play for England. I think it's... He recalled um, Joe Hart. I mean, he mentioned Joe Hart in his reference for this, that Joe Hart, when he was England number one, he was getting pelters. And he was getting pelters when he played badly. And yeah. I think that that is part and part of being a goalkeeper is... There is nowhere to hide. Mm. If you make a mistake, it normally costs your team a goal. Remember Rob Green mm. in the mm. World Cup against America and against the USA. Yeah. It, yeah, got absolutely. I mean, that pretty much ended his England career when yeah. he let that goal. Thirty-nine-year-old David James had to take his place. So it does point. actually yeah. happen, and goalkeepers are susceptible to abuse. But at the same time, it's only when you're playing badly. And at the moment, for certainly for club, maybe not so much for country. Jordan Pickford is playing badly. Mm. Yeah, he is. Um, he's He's one of them where he can make an outstanding save and then an absolute howler. And it's like, you want a bit of consistency from the goalkeeper. You want to know what he's what he's going to do. Um, the goal against Benteke at the weekend, it was like he didn't know whether to to save it with his body or his arms because mm. he, he, he kind of, he put his arms underneath him a bit and it found the gap, like the hole that he, that he left with his tiny little arms that couldn't <laughs> stop it. Um he actually concedes. He concedes a very similar type of goal. When he comes out and he goes down in a one-on-one, it always seems to go underneath him, and that's like that's bad. Like you can't leave a gap. You've got to be a wall. And if it goes around you, then kind of fair enough. Like you can say, you know, like bad luck. Mm. Um, I remember one against Sheffield United as well. It was a very similar goal. I think it was Musa just slipped it under him against uh, Goodison Park, and I was thinking. Is he a hologram? Like, because everything's just flying through him. Not there's no there's nothing there. Um, but he's got what I don't like about him. Obviously, he's an ex Macam, so can't <laughs> can't stand him. But he's got an ego, and I don't like that. He's I know you you have got to be stubborn. You have got to have a, a strong personality to be a goalkeeper because, like we said, you do get pelters a lot, mm. especially when you make mistakes. Um, but he's got an ego, and he he just seems a bit arrogant and a, a bit thick headed and. Maybe have a bit more humility and be like, yeah, I've not been my best this season. But he came out with a quote earlier this season saying, I won't mess up like... Al- Was it last season? I won't mess up like Alisson did when Alisson did that um, that Cruyff turn against Leicester yeah, and yeah. he got robbed. And um, Leicester, I think Vardy scored the goal or whoever it was. And since then, he's made way more mistakes and Alisson's been, been one of the top three goalies in the entire world. So mm. you don't... Just don't be... Stop being a bit thick. Just be a bit clever. Like, just be a bit shrewd and say, just don't put yourself in a position where you can fail. Like, if you say things like that, you can only fail. I know there's an obsession with stats at the moment, but stats only tell half of the story in reality. But that said, when you look at Dean Henson versus Jordan Pickford in terms of save percentages this season, yeah. Dean Henson's up on 76%, which is one of the best one, best stats in the Premier League. Jordan, uh, Jordan Pickford is down on 63%, which is the lowest, of a second lowest of any starting keeper in yeah. the Premier League. Mm. And it, it, like I say, there's mitigating circumstances in all of that. You don't know where the shots are, how 
defence has performed in front of it, how exposed the goalkeeper's been, all They could all be down his throat sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But that is a worrying statistic. Yeah, and I think if you look at the, the simple stat of goals conceded, and, you know, I know it depends on the defence in front of you. Sheffield United in fifth have conceded 24 goals this season. Everton have conceded 38, which is only two fewer than Watford, who are second Ooh. bottom. Um, and I know it doesn't tell the whole story. For instance, uh, Chelsea have conceded 10 more goals than Sheffield United and they're above them in the table. But I think the only way we can caveat this is I think sometimes when you look at how Gareth Southgate tries to play for England, Jordan Pickford fits that bill nicely because of the way he is with the ball at his feet. Yeah, he's um, good with his feet. He's unbelievable fair, with yeah. his feet. The distribution, um, I watched a game over Christmas. Um, Everton played, I think Burnley it was, uh, at Goodison Park around that time. Um, and the way he was pinging balls, drop kicks, uh, passing the ball. I mean, he didn't miss his mark once. It was, it's phenomenal, really, mm. the way that he could be so good with his feet. Um, and I think maybe when he was referring to the Allison thing, was the Cruyff turn was, I think he was probably saying within himself, he won't mess up with the ball at his feet like Allison did. Um, but Jordan Pickford's distribution, I think, is what's keeping him in Gareth Southgate's thoughts. I think if you're looking for a shot stopper, which I think, by the way, is the bare minimum you need to be good at. <laughs> I hate when people go, oh, he's a good shot stopper, though. Yeah, well, you're a Premier League goalkeeper. That's the least I expect from you. Yeah, it's job one, isn't it? Henderson, yeah. he's, a, he's a rangy guy. He's young. He's got lots of experience. But Pickford's also equally young. I mean, Pickford's got I mean, plenty of years ahead of him to, to try and sort of gain a bit more experience, which you do as a goalkeeper. I think the only thing with Pickford is sometimes he does things you think, why have you done that? For instance, the ball might have been easier for him to catch and he ends up punching it or tipping That's it over the crossbar. That's completely my thing and with Pickford. I, I think it's sometimes he's what a bit elaborate when he doesn't need yeah. to be. He does things that you think, why have you done that? Just do the simple things. And like you say, football's entertainment, but also you can get frustrated by the fact that players aren't doing what you think is the simple thing to do. Yeah. So I think Henderson and, and, and also Nick Pope at Burnley has been a very we're good... I forgetting Nick Pope. He's also conceded 38 goals this season, the same as Pickford. Um, but obviously you could always say it's about who's in front of you, the defence, the midfield in front of you, uh, and the quality of chances and whatnot. There's so many in-depth statistics now where you can break it down. But I just think the way Pickford is with the ball at his feet is the reason he will stay as England's number one. So you I, think for the Euros he will be England's I think he one. will. And I just think because of the way Southgate wants to play with players playing out from the back uh, and the way that Pickford can distribute and, and kind of pick a pass, almost like a midfielder can to an extent, is way exceeds that of Henderson and way exceeds that of Pope. Mm. Um, and I think maybe that is what Southgate is thinking. I want to talk about Calvert-Lewin as well, who has really picked up his game since Carlo Ancelotti has come yeah. into Everton. Is he now knocking on the door for an England call-up for the Euros as well? He's better than Callum Wilson, so yeah. 11 goals now this season, I think. Um, he seems to have gone... He's really matured. Um, he's always been promising. He's always been... He's fast. He's six foot two, which a lot of... He Is doesn't. He? Yeah, he's big. He's a big lad. Um, he can Photoshop a six pack onto himself. Yeah, <laughs> he can. He can indeed. That's um, a skill. He's last couple of years. He's been one of them guys where he, he, when he gets a chance, he doesn't look prolific. He doesn't. He didn't look like he was going to score, um, and that sort of comes with experience. Like he's been around the block a little bit now. Mm. He's got a bit more, few, quite a few games under his belt, Premier League wise, over the years. Probably knocking on the door of like seventy or eighty now. Um, and he's he's started to click. He's started to find himself as a striker. He's getting in them positions uh, where you score scrappy goals where, where strikers do. I think I watched him obviously against Newcastle earlier in the season over over the Christmas time when uh, Everton beat Newcastle two one, mm. um, and he scored both goals. And they were both like crap goals, but 
they, they're the goal's striker's score. So you need someone who's going to be in them positions, picking up loose balls that are bouncing around in the box. And he seems to have found that now. Um, mm. And that's that can only be good for England. I think he's only 22, 23. Yep. He's got a lot of... Um, a lot of promising sort of times ahead. I'm not sure mm. about the Euros this year, uh, just because I think it, it depends who's fit. I mean, if Kane's fit, obviously he goes. If um, Rashford's back, he goes. So there's mm. two of your spots gone. It's going to be very harsh to leave out Tammy Abraham and also Danny Ings. So yep. there, so there, you're looking at fifth choice. If everyone's fit, he's he's, he's possibly fifth choice and fighting mm. with like Callum Wilson. For example, although Wilson's been poor, so I don't yeah. think he can really hold a genuine claim to to go in uh, to well, I was going to say go into like France, but it's everywhere, it's everywhere in Italy, Euros. So yeah, I mean, um, Calvert-Lewin yeah. as well, hun- over a hundred appearances now. Is it over hundred? Yeah, he made his hundredth appearance two games ago, but so only twenty-two goals. Only yeah, twenty-two, <laughs> goals. eleven of twenty-four, I think, and eleven of them this which, season. Which shows how he's kicked on this season. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so that the, the graph's going up. If you think yeah. of it like a, a progress chart, it's like. Average, average, yep. and then now he's peaked. So whether he can stay at this level now, yeah. then that's 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 where his next test is. So he's averaging a goal roughly every other game this season, which there you go. is absolutely brilliant. Um, and like you say, his age, it gives him a, a lot to kind of look forward to. Uh, nine Premier League assists as well over his career so far for Everton. I think as well, he always seems to be in the right place at the right time. A lot of his goals have been kind of just getting a toe on it, a real poacher's sort of finish, scrapping the ball in, bundling it over the line. They've mm-hmm. not been like Rude Van Nistelrooy used to do, you know, where he'd pick up the ball and just smash it into the bottom corner. It was nothing like mm-hmm. that. A lot of his goals have been kind of in and around the right spot. Four goals with his head this season, four goals with his right foot and three goals with his left foot. So he's scoring goals all types of ways. He's not kind of scoring them in the conventional, just all with his right foot or whatnot. He seems to be in the right place at the right time, getting on the end of it. I think Marley's right though. I think it would probably be a battle to get into this England squad now. I think Abraham will play if he's fit. Kane will 100% play if he's fit and so will Rashford. Um, I think the question is over Danny Ings as well, whether Danny Ings will play in the Euros this summer if he continues his form. Um, So we'll have to wait and see what happens there with Southgate. But I certainly think that he might get a look in for the next international break, which is in March. If he continues his form under Ancelotti, I think certainly Southgate might pick him for that squad and see where it goes from there. On the, well, everyone's going to be injured in March, isn't they? So yeah. Kane's yeah still, Kane sure. and Rashford are still going to be out. So you look mm. at Ings, Abraham and... Uh, and all, all Liverpool's players, because of the Cumberland. Champions League games, will be injured, yeah. inverted mm. commas. So there, there might be go. some opportunities elsewhere. <laughs> Speaking of opportunities for maybe players on the periphery, is it weird that we're not talking about any other Sheffield United players at the moment for potential England call-ups. They're fifth in the league, and we can say, yeah, Dean Henderson maybe deserves a place. But then you think about the other team, they're fifth in the league, and we're not talking about any of them yeah. potentially being England candidates. Yeah, do you know what? But I, then I think about the team and I go, well, none of them are. <laughs> do you know why I think about? I think that is? It's because they're, they're, they're such a team that it's they're all pulling in the same direction. They're all having good seasons. There's not one of them having an outstanding season. Because they're all they're all playing very well. Like Baldock at right wing back. If you look at him, I think he's been great. But also you look at England's right wing backs and the right back is absolute slot is absolutely stacked with talent. Mm. We've got Wan Bissaka, Walker, Trippier, uh Trent Alexander Arnold. There's four. So you're not gonna take any more than that. Isn't to that the doing Euros, them a, isn't that you? doing them a bit of a disservice though as a team to go, Oh, it's, it's like greater than the sum of its parts kind of statement. This is no, what I. This no, is not really. I, I don't think so. This is what's been spinning my head, thinking about who plays at centre back for England, because Gomez it, and Maguire, if everyone's fit, I yeah. think yeah. Gomez and Maguire, because Stones is massively out of favour. But I mean, 
if Aston Villa go down, does Tyro Mings still go to the Euros? I mean, what what happens I there? Been, I think he's been very good. If Bournemouth go down, does Callum Wilson still get a look in for the Euros? I don't think he will no. anyway, but let's just say <laughs> he was... But Tyro Mings, know. I get your point about Tyro But you see what Mings. I'm saying? Well, if you look at someone like, I don't know, Jack O'Connell, Chris Basham, those two players at the back for Sheffield United this season, been very, very, very good. They've not conceded that many goals. Um, as a unit, they've played very well. Uh, the two fullbacks um, overlapping... Uh, they've got as well uh, Ender Stevens on the other side's an Irish international, so they do okay. have international pedigree in their squad. Mm. Sheffield United. Um, I just think Lundstrom as well is having a good season in midfield. Uh, I just think that there is a chance that Southgate could pick some of these players. I think he has been watching Sheffield United games as well. I think he's been to Bramall Lane a couple of times this season. Chris Wilder mentioned it as well, saying that he wouldn't be surprised if some of his players get the England call-up. So it wouldn't shock me, but certainly it's very unfashionable to see Jack O'Connell, Chris Basham, Lundstrom all being picked, for example, for the England squad. But I don't see why they're any better or worse than Tyrone Mings has been this season. I guess what you're you're kind of both saying is it comes down to more than just the results. It's the individual performances you have to look at as well. Yeah. And with Tyrone Mings, you'd Maybe, say yeah. he hasn't played particularly badly for Aston Villa. In fact, he's had some very good games for Aston Villa. So if they go down, he's not directly culpable for that. Yeah. Do you know what else might... I was just thinking then what might sway Southgate away from them is that they play a back three. And if if Southgate wants to play a back four with, a, you know, with two centre-backs... It's maybe difficult to come into that yeah. thing of you know getting used to something over a short period because Sheffield, Sheffield United have played back three for the last two or three years like constant, so they've always had that sort of system going on, mm. and it's a it's a big change to sort of change very quickly. And but then that potentially gives you another option if you're England does. manager. You go, does. oh, we can switch to a back three by bringing in yeah. one I of mean, these players who used to play in that system. England played a back three in the um, in the World Cup. Yeah. And it worked very well, but since yeah. then they've played a back four, so mm. I don't know. It depends on what Southgate fancies at the time, but it could be a help, it could be a hindrance. I'm, I'd really like to see Southgate sure. mixing it up a little bit in those friendlies before yeah. we get into the Euros proper and the, the, those, those March friendlies. I think yeah. it'd be really nice to see some new faces in there. Yeah, it depends yeah. what you kind of what your kind of approach is. I mean, does Southgate kind of go and use this international break in March? as his kind of blueprint and, and you know, kind of hammer out the squad he wants for the Euros? I think that's, or is that, it that's, too, your, that's your three games before the Euros, those three friendlies directly before. Is it too late before. for testing things out, though? Too late for trying things out? I mean, has I he already got the plan so, of who no. he wants in his mind? Maybe Southgate mm. works like that. We don't know how he works. We don't know how he works. Um, but if you look at, you know, the two two defenders for Sheffield United, nine clean sheets this season, they've been impressive. I, I think we will see Southgate mix things up this March international break. To what extent, I don't know. How many new faces we'll see, I don't know. How many injuries we'll see from the other players, I don't know. So it's all variable, really. Right, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for listening to Football Social Daily. Don't forget, leave us a review and you might get a shout-out on a future podcast. Thank you very much, Niall. Cheers, Jim. Thank you very much, Marley. Thank you. Make sure you click subscribe and we'll see you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right every time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.